Welcome to Episode 1 of Interesting Vancouver Presents. Interesting Vancouver Presents is a series of conversations with ordinary Vancouverites leading extraordinary lives. I'm your host, David Swanson, and today, Interesting Vancouver Presents Bev Davies. Bev is a soft-spoken senior with a passion for photographing punk rock shows. She's seen the Rolling Stones, Neil Young, The Doors, and countless other world-class acts. But Bev is best known for the photos she took of the Vancouver punk scene in the early 80s. Photos that documented the evolution of one of Canada's most vibrant and influential musical subcultures. The Vancouver punk scene was built by bands like the Subhumans, Pointed Sticks, and the Young Canadians. But the father of Canadian hardcore punk is undeniably Burnaby BC's DOA a band whose raw energy and explosive live performance was helped propel to legendary heights by Bev's iconic photos. Bev lives in Vancouver's oldest neighborhood, Strathcona. Her house was built in 1902. I noticed her pale green porch steps sag slightly in the middle from people coming and going over the decades. Her house looks like a counterculture antique shop. It's decorated with old posters from concerts she's attended over the last two decades, brightly colored mini skateboards with big rubber wheels mounted on the wall, and random knickknacks like antique glass bottles and porcelain figurines positioned on shelves and countertops around her living room. Hi, my name is Bev Davies, and I'm over 21. He wanted my age, but hey, I take photographs of bands on stage, so I guess I'm a rock and roll photographer. For a long time I saw everyone, but the real roots and the real love was the local music scene, which happened to be a punk rock scene. When I Bev first saw DOA on March 24th, 1979, at a venue just outside of Vancouver. At the time, DOA was composed of Randy Rampage on bass, drummer Chuck Biscuit, and frontman Joey Shithead Keithley on guitar. This was a pivotal experience for Bev, one that would prove to be a guiding force in her photography and help preserve her as an influential member of the Vancouver music scene. DOA was one of my favorite bands to photograph for a long time. Still, I go to DOA shows. I was really amused by the poster where it said that they were banned in Vancouver, so they were playing just outside of Vancouver in Burnaby by one block. And the person that I lived with and his sister and I went to the show. I couldn't believe it, it was just amazing. And I thought, wow, I have something to photograph now. So I thought, they need a photographer. I'm Joe Keithley from DOA. Well, we first met Bev, uh, she was hanging out. In addition to playing in DOA, the band is still active, by the way. Joe also manages his music label, Sudden Death Records, and is quite politically active. DOA is actually well known for playing peace rallies and at different environmental events. And Joe himself even ran in the BC provincial election for the Green Party in 96 and again in 2001. Speaking with Joe, it's really obvious that he respects Bev's work and knows that her photos really help promote the band. You know, you think about a punk rock crowd and uh, they can be pretty unruly. But she did these incredible shots. She took this uh, camera case, right? She's not short, but not particularly tall. But you always wonder how she got these great shots seemingly within the mayhem but above the mayhem but she had this great really sturdy camera case about a foot high like a big one that you could stand on and she put it right in the middle of the crowd and take shots from there there's some great straight on ones you're just going like how could anybody hold a camera that still and with that much focus uh without 
falling into the pit. But uh, she managed to do it, right? People had a, a lot of respect for her. I think we're damn lucky we had somebody who was that good that captured those moments. And one of those moments ended up being Bev's most famous photo. One of the better known of my photographs is Randy Rampage in Chicago on stage in Chicago because it's appeared on posters and for the movie that Suzanne Tabata did about the Vancouver punk scene. It's a documentary. It's called Bloody But Unbowed. To me, it's kind of a classic rock and roll shot that was shot in black and white. When they were leaving on the tour, they they said, it'd be really nice if you came to Chicago and saw us play outdoors at Lincoln Park. And I said, you got to sometimes take a chance. So I just bought an airline ticket. And uh, this photograph is just your classic um, knees blowing out on the jeans, um, a bass guitar slung low over the hips, and Randy just throwing his head back and his mouth open and playing. I guess there's like so many different levels of who musicians are. I don't know that whole push towards getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Punk really was an answer to that. What it said was, we don't have to rehearse for five years and take music lessons and do it. We can just like go up on the stage and play. And they did. I don't know when, when it's good, it's good. That's all I can say, you know, is, is I remember talking to a friend of mine saying, I know what I like. When I like it, I know it. Bev was also a fan of a young Canadian musician named Neil Young. She knew Neil while she was living in Ontario before he got his big break. Oh, Neil. Hi, Neil. Neil was my friend in Toronto. I never saw the Minorbirds play, which was the band that he played in. And I knew Rick James, who was the singer for the Minorbirds. We called him Ricky James Matthews at the time. I'd seen him in other bands and I knew him. And I knew Bruce Palmer. Bruce Palmer and Neil were personal friends. Ricky and I never got along. And Neil had this dream of going down to California. And we were sitting in Webster's restaurant, which was really a main sort of 24-hour restaurant where people would sit around with a glass of water and a toothpick, you know, anything that you could possibly get to stay in there before they threw you out. And um, California Dreaming came on the jukebox. And he said, I want to go to California and be a rock star. I was just part of the crew of people that were going to go. I didn't get to go. I didn't have any money. And I was with Neil the night that he put all the money together. And Neil had to tell me that I couldn't go. And he didn't deal well with a crying young woman. (laughs) Bev's life as a rock and roll photographer gave her the opportunity to meet lots of interesting people, like Neil Young. And her photos were good enough to grace album covers, magazine pages, and the walls of art galleries. But even with all her accolades, Bev eventually got sick of the photography industry and decided to quit taking photos. Since I rose up from the scene, if you, just like the record industry, if you want to get famous in the photography industry, you have to shoot bigger and bigger bands. And the whole reality of what I was doing there, taking photographs of bands, didn't matter to anybody. I mean, it might have mattered to the people that got to see my photographs, didn't matter to the band, really didn't matter to me, it was just part of some ego. And I just quit. I thought, this level of climbing up the ladder is disgusting myself. So I I quit taking photographs and just moved on with my life and did other things. And then you're going to ask me why I started again. I I had a small digital point-and-shoot camera, so I was becoming comfortable with shooting digital. And I was still talking about my past. I wasn't 
owning up to being that person anymore. I hadn't realized I was still that person. And I thought, I want to be a rock and roll photographer again. I want to do that again. I really, really want to do that. So it was becoming aware of my past and, and owning up to it. My memory of that scene is just how how spontaneous it was, how when you were on a bus, because I didn't drive then, and you saw a poster, you got off the bus to go read it, you know, I mean, it really was a small community, and I don't think it was unlike in its own way, say, London, when the Sex Pistols in 77 and The Clash. We didn't have a record company that was the least bit interested in our scene. I think Toronto. Toronto did. It had the record companies there. And and when the money started coming in, uh, it tore the scene apart. I think punk was, for me, the first time that I realized that the route that Neil went on to go be a rock and roll star and went to California and, and became a rock and roll star, that route wasn't the only one. I mean, the Vancouver bands put out their own records. They put out their own fanzines. They put out their own reports about the scene because it wasn't getting played on the radio still isn't getting played never will get played on the radio this has been interesting vancouver presents bev davies this episode was hosted and produced by david swanson with support from brett mcfarland and mark bussey in association with sfu woodwards graphic designers of canada and creative mornings vancouver Through talks, workshops, and programs, Interesting Vancouver celebrates the people and activities that can only happen in Vancouver and by Vancouverites. For more information, to subscribe, or to get in touch, visit us at interestingvancouver.com. I'm David Swanson. Thank you for listening. Join us next time when Interesting Vancouver presents Craig Addy, pianist and owner of the Sound Spa Under the Piano. And I had some friends over here to my place just to experiment and see what it was like for them. So, you know, they took turns getting under my piano and I improvised some music. And they were kind of all like the same. They're going, wow, this is not like listening to a piano from across the room. And quite accidentally, one of them said, you should do this as a business. And that was when it started. 